Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It goes down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. He's a well-respected high school football scout. Known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. In the transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the transparent truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios in the Miracle Mile. Excited to be here recording on Tuesday. Not recording live, but recording on a Tuesday. That's how we're doing it these days here on The Transparent Truth. Excited about today's show. We are talking recruiting, sleepers, and NFL draft prospects. This is a great time to bring in my partner, my friend, my co-host, Mr. Greg Biggins, 247 Sports. How are you, GB? Keith, I feel like we just did a show. We just did about a half-hour show that was not being recorded. I, we probably can't duplicate all the knowledge and wisdom that we just spouted out for the last half hour. No, it, it was definitely good stuff. I, I, that would have been one of our best shows if we, if we had been recording us just now. Yeah, there's we covered no, everything. We did, and there's no way we're going to be able to duplicate that, but that's okay because <laughs> um, the fans will get our very best of what we have left in the tank, even though our tanks are probably halfway Empty, but GB, excited about today's show. We're talking NFL draft prospects from the Southern section, Southern California area. Not a lot to talk about. So we'll get into that, GB, and we'll figure out why. Why is there not a lot to talk about? And we'll dive in uh, together. But before we get to that conversation and our sleeper of the week, we're going to get to recruiting. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Greg Biggins, take it away. Yeah, so Oregon, Keith. All eyes were on Oregon. The Ducks. Over the weekend. The Ducks. They had a huge spring game weekend. They had 35,000 fans in the stands. They had about 50 recruits, including several elite, elite, elite kids. We're talking like guys like Johnny Wilson, Justin Flo, DJ, Wooey Unalale. They got a couple commitments. Uh... One who was there, one who was not there, one who was a 
Cliff, who had just committed two weeks ago. I'm talking about Jaden Navarrete, Keith. We just talked about him a couple weeks ago, who committed to uh, LSU. He took a visit last weekend unofficially to Oregon. When I say last weekend, I mean like actually two weekends ago. And then he went ahead and committed this past weekend. So Navarrete is not going to LSU. He is going to Oregon. Another player who committed this past weekend, Chris Hudson, uh, wide receiver. Um, he also was not on campus. So my bad. Both these guys were not on campus during the when they committed. So Hudson, if you can remember back last year, actually committed to USC around this time and then backed off during the season. And he took a visit to Oregon two weeks ago. Was going to wait till September to pull the trigger, but he wanted to do it this weekend, and he went ahead and did it. So Oregon last commitments from Jenny Neverett, Keith, and Chris Hudson. Very interesting. Two guys not on campus, not on the college campus at Oregon, both commit from afar, but they have something in common, GB. They have a little bit of history, a little bit of past. Both, i.e. Ducks, the prestigious youth football program in the Inland Empire. They were teammates once before as Ducks. Looks like they'll be teammates again unless somebody decommits next week <laughs> as a Duck. You know, Oregon's very strategic, Keith. Oregon likes to kind of have the guys that are going to commit to them. They like to have them commit at certain points. And I and I believe that was the case with both these two guys. They had, like I said, a bunch of recruits on campus. And the way to, a lot of the ways you, you kind of create buzz is to have guys commit, even if they're not even there. So I believe they both committed this weekend kind of because Oregon wanted to kind of kind of get that ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody else committed this past weekend, but I, I think they're, they're close on a couple of guys, uh, not even locally, some of California-wise. Um, you know, Crystal Bald, um, Miles Flusher, and Luke Hill, both these two players are from outside the region. Both are DBs. Mm-hmm. I think Oregon's going to get both of them. Both of them were on campus this weekend. I think one thing about uh, you can tell when a school is recruiting well, Keith, when they have a backup option in place that is better than a lot of schools, plan A. Yep. DJ Wooby Underlay was on campus. I believe he's going to Clemson. I believe Oregon coaches, they're recruiting DJ like crazy, but I also believe they feel he's going to Clemson. But you know who their backup option is? A guy by the name of Jay Butterfield. Jay was on campus this past weekend also. He actually visited on Thursday, and Oregon is doing extremely well with him. In fact, Keith, I think if Stanford does not offer Jay Butterfield, we've already talked about that a few weeks ago, I believe. You know, Tanner McKee is the 2020 quarterback for Stanford. Um, I think Oregon might actually lead for Butterfield. So how well are you doing if you lose DJ, but you can still pull in an elite, you know, top 100 quarterback, top 100 prospect in Jay Butterfield? Again, he was there Thursday, did Oregon State Friday, did Washington State on Saturday. So Jay kind of did a little Northwest Northwest swing. But that's not a bad plan B to have, is it? Not at all. And if you look at the the ceiling and the potential of a Jay Butterfield, he's not as physically developed as a DJ Uyanalele, who's physically more mature, more physically developed than the younger Jay Butterfield. But Jay is a kid who's going to get the chance to grow into his body at Oregon, really get a chance to learn and develop under that system that Coach 
Arroyo has in place. I think he'd be a big-time quarterback, leader, thrower of the football in the Pac-12. So uh, I like it. I like If I'm Oregon, I feel good about my position with taking my shot with DJ, but having Jay Butterfield ready to strap it up for the Ducks in Eugene. I mean, with quarterback recruiting, it's always sensitive because everybody wants to, you know, every quarterback, it, you want, they want to believe they're, they're the first option. They don't want to be thought of as being a backup. But I think Oregon's have done such a great job recruiting Butterfield that they've actually made him believe that, you know what, you are a top priority. You're not a backup plan B guy. So uh, all the guys who visited this past weekend, I think Oregon's doing well with J.J. Greenfield, uh, Narbon. Uh, he told me he's going to commit on June 10th. That's going to be his announcement day. And uh, I believe Oregon leads for him. Uh, Darion Green-Warren was out there. I still believe he's a USC lean. But uh, you know what? He, he really loved it out there. He had a great time and spent a lot of time with Dante Williams and watched those young DBs go to work, watched our guy Mikel Wright go to work. Um, Jalen Jeffers, big-time O-lineman from Saguaro, Arizona. Everybody knows about Keely Ringo. He's one of like 20 guys out there for Saguaro, who's a high-level D1 guy. I believe Oregon leads for Jalen Jeffers as well. So just a lot of dudes, a lot, a lot of talent. Uh, Jamar Sakona from up north, Jason Harris, Jordan Banks. Uh, These guys were all out there. So hats off to Oregon. Uh, Another big-time weekend. A lot of good 21 and class of 22 guys were also out there. So uh, really good job. Two more commitments commitments keep both big-time guys. Like top 100 elite guys, Jordan Batello from Hawaii committed to Notre Dame, and then Jermaine Burton also committed to LSU. Jermaine Burton. Jermaine Burton. Mark it down. NFL player, high level NFL player. LSU got a good one. It's going to pair up with Elias Ricks. They're going to be competing every day in practice. I like it. Two guys who want to be great. They're going to push each other. Sounds good. But how about LSU on the recruiting trail, GB? They're doing a fantastic job, especially here on the West Coast. What can you attribute to that? I think it's a it's a lot of lot of things. Ed Orgeron, first off, is is probably would be on the on Mount Rushmore in terms of the greatest recruiters of all time. I think LSU and the SEC kind of has a lot of splash and sizzle out here right now, Keith. You, you talk to some of these Southern California kids. And they'll say, and this probably is, is painful for some of the Pac-12 Mount West folks to hear, but they're like, you know, SEC, that's big boy football. So I think a guy like Elias Rick committed to LSU because he wants to get developed better. And he feels like, hey, that's DBU. I want to go there. I want to put my three years in, get to the NFL. And I think LSU can prepare me for that better than anybody else. Jermaine Burton, he's actually from the South. He's only been out here for a year. Uh, of course, if he makes it to the NFL, which I agree with you, I think he's destined for that. I think he's special. I'm going to claim him as a West Coast guy. I would say, hey, it's a West Coast guy. But he's actually from the South, right? He's from the South. Uh, he'll spend his next two years at Calabasas. But, uh, you know, he's he's just bred different. Talked to Chris Claiborne about him the day he committed. And he's just like, dude, he's just different. He just He's just hungry. He's just tough. He's nasty. You know, and I kind of told him a story at a 7-on-7 where, all you know, it's always so much jaw-jacking, pushing and shoving. He goes, Burt doesn't mess with that kind of stuff. He doesn't like you. He'll just swing on you. You know, he's just nasty. You know, he's got that edge to him. And so mm, mm, I believe mm. that Burton, uh, like you, man, he's so stinking good. He's not just physically good. I mean, he's a legit four-four-three guy. He's strong. Uh, he's technical. Uh, Curtis Conway, 
people have, have been talking about Jermaine being like uncoachable with an attitude issue. Curtis said that he's been a, a dream to work with. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of his. And then, and then uh, Jordan Battello, Keith, uh, the top player in Hawaii this year, a top 50 recruit. Yes. You know, Notre Dame has some history with linebackers from uh, the islands. Yes. Got him. Manti Teo was a, a Buckus Award winner. Um, I think there's a there's a joke we can be said. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna not make that obvious low hanging fruit joke um, involving girlfriends. But I think Jordan is gonna be really really good. You know, he's a inside guy, outside guy. They might even work him in as a defensive end because he's already like 240, 245. So uh, Notre Dame, man, talk about LSU. Notre Dame is off to a really good start this year too, Keith. Guys going out hitting the recruiting trail. Um, Brian Polian. Brian Polian. Coach That's Polian him. does a great job. Um, defense coordinator. Give me his name, Greg. For Notre Dame. Yeah, I know uh, him well. He, yeah, he's no, UCLA yeah, for a while. he was. I, yeah. Greg, I remember when he was a intern at UCLA. Okay. Clark, Clark Lee. Clark Lee. Clark Lee. He was in back when Dayton was uh going there, committing to UCLA, whatever the case sure. may be. Clark was a intern for UCLA. He was just kind of a wide-eyed, high-energy, yeah. happy guy who was working hard for Dwayne Walker Rinder. as an intern, yeah. for sure. And um, it just goes to show that, you know, uh, through his uh, sacrifice, his hard work, and his effort, he's now Deuce coordinator and doing a great job recruiting um, at Notre Dame, like you said, they're they, they're bringing in a really good class. So, thank you so much, GB. That was a that was good stuff. I love Jordan Matello, by the way. Um, I know a while back you said Keith, you would love this guy, and I do. Uh, he plays the game the way it's supposed to be played as a linebacker. He plays relentless. He plays with his hair on fire. Um, he he's out to hurt you. Um, as a linebacker, playing downhill to the football, that's the way you're supposed to play. And I think he's got a bright future. I think he'll end up being an inside backer, kind of like a Manti Teo. Uh, like I said, he's already 240. He's only a junior in high school. He'll be upwards of 250, 255 when it's all said and done. I think he's going to be an inside guy, um, but still, you know, be able to keep the athleticism or hopefully be able to keep that athleticism. They might they definitely have to put him on like a little mill plan and kind of keep him trimmed down. But I really love Botello. He's not just a big physical guy. He's a playmaker. Uh, he beats blocks. Uh, with with finesse, he bleeds him with power, with speed. He's got the ability to get sideline to sideline, and he's a car collision waiting to happen when he gets to the football. So, uh, great job, and congratulations to Jordan and the Botello family from the beautiful islands of the black sand beaches of Hawaii. Of Hawaii. <laughs> and also, just because I don't want you to get any DMs, UCLA also had some some talent oh. for the spring game. Oh, uh, yeah, they had some. They had some players. Let's go. They had some good quality players out there. Miles Morale was probably uh, one of the headliners. Um, they had Logan Loya. A few other Bosco players were out there. Um, so nice job by UCLA. Didn't quite create the same kind of buzz that Oregon did, but quality players. Uh, Gary Bryant was out there, and I think what they tried to do was not invite as many players, but kind of be. Uh, a little more strategic and getting some guys they wanted to get on campus to spend quality time with them. They actually did like the full on like visit where they had the guys come in, check out the weight room, the strength program, do the measurements, which UCLA always does, the height, the weight, the arm length, they do all that kind of stuff. So uh, UCLA was able to, to, to spend some quality time with a lot of key guys. Um, Jack Yeri from um, Urena Valley, who yes. 
the more I look at this guy, Keith, mm-hmm. and the more we kind of do the analytics. Last year, I mentioned Mike Martinez could grow into an O tackle. Yeri's even bigger. Right. He's 260 right, right now mm-hmm. at 6'6. Six, six. And Mike had a heck of a year last year at tight end. Um, I definitely think he can be a really good tight end for UCLA. Uh, Yeri, to me, man, this guy just looks like a future left tackle. Left tackle. Um, obviously, his pops, everyone knows, Ron Yeri was the number one overall. Not, not a first round pick. He was number one overall yes. out of USC. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's. Modern day tackles these days, this day and age, were like high school tight ends. They're athletic dudes. They were 250 and 260 in high school. They're not these 300 pound guys. You know, Andre Dillard from Wazoo um, was 250, 255, but an athlete and put on weight and learned to pass protect at Washington State. He's going to be a first round pick. So, Jack Gary, really intriguing kid. So, uh, nice job by UCLA as well. And then um, Oregon State also had a couple, couple uh, pretty talented SoCal players. Uh, Marshawn Buchanan, Josiah Stokes, out of Adelanto High School, are both up there at Oregon State, and um, so not just the Oregon Ducks. Night, a lot, a lot of top programs all had some had some dudes out there. So pretty, pretty full weekend as far as visits were concerned, Keith. Yeah, a couple things, Greg, that kind of sit in my mind listening to you. Uh, talk was number one in terms of rankings and projection because our rankings, our rankings, two four seven rivals, the Hall of Fame, as we're coming out with our rankings, um, they're all based on future projections. So, which begs the question: if the analytics say that the top tackles were this in high school, then why don't the rankings reflect that, Greg? Um, presently, that's a good question. I think. You have you have any, you have any take on that? No, that that's what that's where we're going. That, that's where our rankings are going. I'm not I'm not sure I'm a huge fan, mm-hmm. um, but like we're seeing our rankings are starting are starting to slant more towards guys like that, guys mm-hmm. that are multi sport athletes, guys that mm-hmm. uh, run track, um, not just the skill guys. We're talking guys that throw the shot put, mm-hmm. guys that throw the discus, yeah. um, guys that play basketball in the off season, guys that play baseball. Um, multi-sport quarterbacks that so yeah no our, our rankings are, are our rankings are we do 32 five stars because there's 32 first round picks so that's kind of where we're going Bryce Young has jumped up about 50 spots in our rankings because the game is changing and Bryce Young could potentially be a, a number one overall pick not a first round a number one overall pick um, because Kyler Young Kyler excuse me Kyler Murray, Murray could yeah. be this year Baker Mayfield just was Spencer right. Rattler could be that guy in two years mm-hmm. three years so no, we're, we're definitely trying to emulate the uh, the draft. Mm-hmm. My issue is this, though, Keith. I think we've had this conversation before. A lot of guys get drafted who aren't great mm-hmm. or didn't have great productive NFL careers. I'd rather, I, I'd rather slant our rankings toward guys who are going to be great NFL players. I think there's a difference between who's going to go in the first round and who's got a chance to be a long-term, you know, really good football NFL player. player. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of NFL teams they draft on upside the same way colleges put out scholarship offers based sure. on upside. Sure. NFL teams and I feel like they'll they'll miss on guys. You know I'm fascinated, Keith. The one guy in this draft, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we're talking draft, but I'm fascinated to watch in ten years from now what kind of career Rashawn Gary has. Mm-hmm. He was uh, everybody's number one player overall coming out of high school. Yes. And went to Michigan. Honestly, Keith, he didn't really do a whole lot there. He battled some injuries, but he went out and tested off the charts at the NFL Combine, which kind of showed why he was so highly coveted, 
you know, because his testing marks are off the charts, his physical profile is off the charts. He'll be a top 10 pick, Keith, Sure. without top 10 production. Yes. So I think NFL teams are banking on the fact that, okay, he wasn't productive in college, but we'll draft him and he'll be productive for us. That kind of begs the question, Keith, if you're an NFL GM, let me mm-hmm. put you on the spot, mm-hmm. would you draft a guy um, that high? I don't mean third or fourth round, I mean top 10. Right. Would you draft a guy that high when you see the upside is obvious, mm-hmm. but the production was not? At mm-hmm. what point do you say, you know what, if he didn't make plays in college, why do I think I'll make plays in the NFL What's going to be harder? That's that's a great question, Greg, and and I, I can answer it, um, but I don't want to answer it deep enough to where – um, because I don't, I don't have all the, I don't have all the resources that I need to answer that question, kind of as accurately as I would like to. Um, so I'll say this: the profile is there, the potential is there, the projection is there, the production isn't. As we talk about on this show, basically since our show, the conception of the show, right? Projection over production, right? Mm-hmm. NFL has the yep. same model, right? Same yep. thought process, same mentality when in terms of drafting players. So. What's going to make this kid become who everybody thinks he should become, but he wasn't in college? I think there are a couple of components um, that you need to find out about the kid. And, and it's not necessarily physically, Greg. There are a couple of components that you need to find out about the kid that can help you decipher whether or not he's going to become that all-pro player or if he's going to become a five-years-and-out guy is kind of a bust as a top-ten pick. Yeah. Um, so, I, again, I don't have that information. Um, and I didn't see Rayshon Ray, Ray Gary um, more than probably, I don't know, maybe t- 20 snaps his whole career. Um, so I couldn't tell you why uh, the, the production didn't match the projection. But there are some things that you can look at or some things that you can analyze, I think, more off the field than on the field that give you a closer and a more in-depth look on why he didn't become what everybody thought he should become in college. So Yeah, and, and, and great kid off the field. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. High character, great kid, battled some injuries. Right. So let's put that as part of the equation. It's just like, you know, he's going to probably go higher than an Ed Oliver who was extremely productive <laughs> yeah. in college, right? Yes. Maybe he didn't have the, the same kind of profile in terms of the size, although at Oliver's testing numbers, they were, compar- were pretty comparable to an Aaron Donald, who's right. pretty good at football. So that, that's what I'm saying. So it's kind of like when we do our rankings based on high school to, high school to college, or mm. let me take that back. Our rankings are not based on high school to college, right. but, but scholarship offers are an... Um, we're going off the projection upside like four or five years down the line. Right. I feel like if you're an NFL team drafting that high, you're still going off proje- you're still going off the projection. But man, to go in the first round, I I gotta see some production to match. If I'm going top ten, like if I'm going for the, with a fourth round flyer, I'll take a guy, and I don't have a name, but I'll take a, a flyer on a guy who was maybe a. A five-star kid in, in high school had all the measurables, really looked the part. For whatever reason, just didn't do anything in college. Man, I'll, if I'm in the fourth, fifth round, I go, you know what? There's a reason why this guy was so highly t- touted and coveted. Mm-hmm. But for, for the top 10 and top 15, that's where I'm I'm really fascinated to see where Rashawn Gary, or, or not even just pick on him, just just players in general who kind of never really lived up to the hype. Right. But uh, 
I think historic, historically, those guys don't have great NFL careers either. So it's interesting. We got way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we did. Um, we're talking uh, NFL draft. Yeah, we're we, talking about it. We're talking about too much right now. Yeah, no doubt. One other question I had. There was one big visitor that I don't know if it, it flew under the radar nationally, Greg. We talked a little bit about this kind of off air. It's interesting because Oregon is in the top 10, 12, 8, or whatever for Savelle Smalls, but he wasn't there for their big spring game recruiting weekend. He actually visited Wazoo this past weekend. Greg, what what, what type of feedback um, have you heard from that visit, or what was the whole angle there for Savelle Smalls? I don't know. I mean, someone just, I literally just retweeted an article. Someone, our, our Washington State guy, talked to him about the visit. He was at Oregon two weeks ago, though, Keith. He was there. Okay. And he's been there to Oregon three or four times. They're, uh, they're definitely in the mix, but I, I don't know, honestly. I, I think there's a better chance of, of me getting drafted than Savelle going to Wazoo. And, and Washington State's a great program, right? They've been really good in the Pac 12 for a lot of years. So I'm not, I'm not dissing them at all. I just don't see. Savelle ending up there so um, it could be that you see a lot of times uh, in-state players will go visit the in-state school you know just as a courtesy right. um, I think he could have went with some teammates who maybe uh, these guys can, can play at a wazoo and it's, it's a good way for you know Savelle uh, to kind of help his teammates which you know Savelle great kid sure. and I could see him doing that saying hey you know I like, love you recruiting me but look at these guys these guys are my teammates they can they can play here so it could have been a relationship with maybe one of his coaches knows a Wazoo coach, and it's kind of a, a favor. So I have no direct knowledge of why Savelle took the visit, but those are reasons why I, I've seen it in the past, why you'll see a, a big-name guy will go visit a school that you don't think he's going to go to. There's a lot of other reasons why, and I just kind of told you, maybe it's a coach relationship, maybe it's a favor, maybe it's to get his other, other teammates recruited. Right, okay. That's fair enough. Let's move along. Greg, I feel like we've already had the entire show. We're moving on 25 minutes here. But um, thank you so much for your recruiting report. That was fun. That was fun. Um, I, I think this show is going to be really good. You guys got to stick around. We got we got some good conversation we're going to get into. Uh, but it's time to move along right now. It is time to get to our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Okay, our sleeper of the week this week, GB, um... How do we come to this? So we were kind of searching around. Okay, who, who's our searching. sleeper? Who's the next guy? Who's the next guy we really want to push out there because we think he's better than kind of the attention that he's deserved? You know, not no shot at the attention that he's getting. Uh, but I, we want to shout out and uh, we want to give our sleeper of the week this week to quarterback out of the South Bay. We're talking about none other than 2020 Londale High School quarterback Jaylon Daniels. 
Jalen Daniels, quarterback out of Londell High School. Really like this kid, Greg. Just in terms of uh, his work ethic, um, I love his fundamentals. Um, I love his uh, body his body style or his body type for the position, you know, especially in this new age kind of dual threat quarterback. Um, the kid is very twitchy as a thrower. I think he's a good runner. He's a good athlete. He's very competitive. Um, he seems to always be working. Works with my guy Sam Fisher from Throw to Win. Shout out to Sam. Uh, he does a great job with the quarterbacks. But Jalen Daniels, a kid with a, a a twitchy release, an explosive arm, ex- ex- excellent arm talent, a very mobile, um, very athletic, a great leader, a terrific student. He's got a couple offers right now. I think you talked about it, Greg. Louisiana, um, Bryant University out there on the East Coast, a couple other schools. I definitely think, you know, in-state schools such as uh, UC Davis, such as Sac State, such as San Jose State, maybe even San Diego State. I, I think he is good enough to play at those programs. The kid has an explosive arm. He's very accurate. He's a relentless worker. He's got off the chart intangibles. I think, um, and I hope he, I hope he gets featured a little bit more this year in that you know run heavy Lindale offense that Coach Travis Clark employs there uh, in the South Bay. But Jalen Daniels, Greg, a guy that I can put my stamp on and say this is a guy. And he can compete at a high level, and I love I love his work ethic, and I love um, pretty much everything about the kid. You know his leadership qualities, um, his ability as a student, his ability in in the community. He reflects the type of student athletes that coaches want at their program. Now, can he play? Is he talented? Absolutely. Can he can he make plays? Can he get the job done in a big time environment? I believe so. What do you say, GB? I, I agree with all that. That was a, a very good breakdown. Like you mentioned, character for me for a quarterback is, is big, and I think great kid, natural leader, efficient. Obviously, you mentioned featuring him more. You know, they had a guy last year by the name of Jordan Wilscore. Yeah. I wonder if that nickname will stick at Utah <laughs> for Jordan. I mean, that is a natural nickname for him. But uh, so with, with Jordan gone, you got to assume. They might throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Obviously, Travis Clark does a great job with the offense over there at Lawndale. They want a state title, I believe. Yep. So uh, he knows what he's doing. But uh, yeah, I think it'd be good for the kid to, to throw the ball a little bit more. I'm sure he's aching to do, itching to do that, and I think he can do that. So um, nice selection. Again, a lot of times the guys we go with a sleeper of the week are guys that don't have any offers, or in this case, it's a guy who we think is just a little under the radar for his talent level. So I think a good selection, and hopefully, he has a great offseason and a great senior year. Yeah, no question about it. I remember the Fox Sports game, Greg. Um, you came back and report, reported on it. I forget who that. Maybe they play Culver City. Yeah, Culver and, City. Yeah, didn't he, he? He ran for a couple, threw for a couple. I think he ran one in to win the game. Or that was kind of a coming out party because that was a game Jordan got hurt in the first half. Yes, and so he kind of took over in the second half. A lot of it was was with his legs and. And Travis told me, like, hey, you know, that was kind of like the game where he kind of just built up a lot of confidence. You know, we put it all on him, and he delivered. So uh, confidence, you can't play without it. I think that was the game where he really kind of saw himself as that guy. I I think that speaks – I think that moment speaks to what we just said about the kid. He's a a gamer. He's a big-time player. He's got great character. Character guys are the ones who step up in those instances. 
guys who don't cheat the grind, guys who continuously work, and when their number finally gets called to take over a game, they're they're willing, they're ready, they've prepared, and then they execute. So, uh, congratulations, J-Line. You are this week's Transparent Truth Sleeper of the Week. It's time to move along. Greg Biggins, this is going to be an intense conversation, my man. I can tell you that right now. We're talking NFL draft prospects. Um, not just draft prospects, but the draft prospects coming from the kind of southern section here. That's where we're from. That's what we represent. And we're excited to analyze the mock drafts and look at the draft prospects who are come from our area. Um Guys like Dayton Jones, guys like Anthony Barr, those guys who've gone first round and made their entire school and school community and home community proud. But we ran into a little bit of a problem, GB. You want to talk about it? So I looked at a lot of mock drafts, and I only looked in the first round. So, you know, that's just, just to be said. And I didn't see a single player from Southern California. I only saw one from California, and that was Jonah Williams, who played at Folsom High School, went to Alabama. Uh, obviously a great career there. Three and out, true freshman starter for Bama, which is kind of tough to do if you're an offensive lineman, because they always have like 50 offensive linemen there. But uh, a little bit of a dearth this year. Uh, obviously last year, we saw the quarterbacks go off the board early, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, and uh, you know, I think a few other kids. I'm hoping it's just a one-year anomaly Keith that's what I'm hoping I'm hoping it is and next year there's going to be like 30 guys <laughs> out of the 32 from Southern California you know what Greg I'm hoping it's an anomaly as well I'm, I'm pretty disappointed that there aren't any guys from Southern California projected in the first round because we you know as Southern California homers we like to think that we have some of the best players and play some of the best football in the country, of course, we have two powerhouse schools in the Trinity League who are top five nationally year in and year out, probably over the past, what would you say, five years, five to seven years. Um, so we have powerhouse programs, but for some reason, is, is that the 2016 recruiting class, Greg, that's coming out? Is that what that I would believe, be? I so, believe, so in, Biggie Marshall is a senior this year, so subtract four from 2019, and that that would be that recruiting class. Okay, so the class of what 2015? It, yeah, it would be 2015. Yeah, it would be 2015. So, um, first off, let's look at that 2015 class. Who were the guys out in California in that 2015 class, Greg? That's what I want to talk about really quickly. Um, in 2015, you had Iman Marshall as the number one player. Um, in Southern California, he was top five nationally for 247 Sports and the Composite. Um, another top player was Khalil McKenzie. Of course, he's not from Southern California. Rasheem Green was another top player in that 15 class. Um, he was a, what was he, a third round pick, Greg? I think second or third. Second or third round pick. Josh Rosen was a first round pick. Blake Barnett. I think he's still playing college football. Yep, he's bounced around a couple times. Mm -hmm. Keyshawn Lucier South, he's still playing ball, I believe. He's still at UCLA. Still at UCLA. Um, Deshaun Holiday, 
I believe he transferred from UCLA. Correct, Greg? He, he did. Right. Ricky Town. Is he still alive, Greg? <laughs> Ricky Town. I just watched the Elite 11 from his year not too long ago. That was, that was an interesting one. Uh, you know, Ricky Town, not to get off track, was, uh, was the same year as Calamari. And uh, at that Elite 11, or excuse me, the opening finals, the, the story was about, you know, Blake Barnett, who just blew that camp up, Josh Rosen and Trent Dilfer kind of going at it, and then Ricky Town kind of going from nowhere to having a really good, really good, you know, event. And the guy no one talked about was Kyler Murray, and he's going to end up being the first quarterback Ooh, Greg, in this year's draft, what, potentially. What, what, what can you infer in terms of that, just that whole... What you just said. What 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 can what what what's implied? I know what's implied for me when you when you said that. I, I know it's like bells going off in my head, but what can you take away from what you just said? Uh, just in terms of I would of, say, you, know, I would go say ahead. you can't make, you know, broad sweeping evaluations based off of a, you know, two or three day seven on seven event, which is what that's what the opening right. is for a quarterback. Right. Um, you know, Tua Tagovailoa was MVP, and you know he's gone to have a great career. Blake Barnett was MVP, and you know he he has it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you can play, you can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Justin Fields outplayed Trevor Lawrence at the opening finals, but Trevor Lawrence, uh, right now, his you know not right now Justin Fields by any by any stretch, but I think Tre- Trevor Lawrence looks to you know his trajectory looks a little, little bit better than Justin Fields at right now. So. It is what it is. Mm. You can take physical stuff from it in terms of like, you know, can a guy throw it down the field? Does he have arm strength? Is he a quick decision maker? Um, does he sulk? Does he have a, you know, is he a crappy leader? Does he seem like, you know, all, you can take all away all that stuff, but you can't base too much more off of it than, than that. Okay. Um, Want to move along with some of the players here. So Marvell Tail, um, he's, he's, he's in the draft this year. He's projected kind of a third or fourth round guy. Brady White. I hope he goes that high. Brady White, who's at Memphis, um, still playing ball. Yakili Ross, I believe, who transferred from SC. JoJo Wicker. Where's he, Greg? Do you know? So he came out last year. Yeah, he left early. And I don't know if he was even drafted. He was really good at ASU right off the bat. And I think he came out just a little bit too early. Um and I don't know if he got drafted or not. I think that might have been one of those things where um, he just kind of felt like he needed to come out early. And yeah. we'll leave it at that. I, I yeah. knew, yeah, I knew he made a splash early in his Sun Devils career, but kind of petered out a little bit. Yeah, kind of left early, and yeah, it, it did, I don't think it ended up well. Travis Johnson, I remember him. He was the quarterback out of Servite. Yeah, in high school, he was Travis Waller. Right. 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 He ended up at Oregon. Greg, do, you, do we remember what happened to him? Yeah, Oregon. They went to Juco. And now I believe he is somewhere else. I forgot where. Um, I, I think he actually started and played pretty well somewhere last year. But I don't remember where it was. It was a, a school that we wouldn't have wouldn't have you know known a whole lot about. I'm going to actually look him up while you're talking here. Okay. Trent Irwin, who's playing his Fifth and final year, correct, at Stanford. John Houston Jr., who's playing his fifth and final year at USC. Jake Browning, who had a solid career at UW. Malik Lavette, who hasn't, 
who's at Oregon. Um, I think he might have transferred out of there. Okay, he may have transferred. Josh Woods, who's been injury riddled at Upland, or excuse me, at, from Upland at yeah uh, UCLA. Sam Darnold, number one fifty nationally, coming out of high school, fifth ranked dual threat, number twenty two ranked player in the state. Then you kind of got Ben Humphreys. Um, Isaiah Langley, J.J. Wilson, so, you know, Stanley Norman. Let's talk about that, those, that group of players, Greg. Um, and I know you're looking something up, but how would, you, how would you assess, how would you assess those group of players on their projection? Not that great. Yeah. Um, and again, there's different reasons. Montana State, by the way, is where Travis Johnson oh, is okay. now at. Okay. Montana State. Uh, you know, it's 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 crazy to think that at one point, Ricky Town was the number one quarterback on mm. everybody's board. I mean, that Alabama mm. is pretty good at football. He committed to Alabama after his sophomore year. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um. Was his junior sophomore year? Yeah, I mean, Stanford made the choice to go on Ricky Town over Josh Rose after having them both out of camp, and that was that was Rosen's dream school with Stanford. He ended up going to UCLA, um, ended up being a first round pick last year, and and Ricky just he peaked really really early, ended up going to mm-hmm. you know USC left right away. Sam beat him out. Sam was a guy who only played one year of high school quarterback. Right. People don't often remember that. So he was he wasn't a guy who didn't go to, into his senior year with a whole lot of a lot of buzz. He was a linebacker as a sophomore and it was hurt his whole junior year. So he Sam was a classic, you know, just overachiever, gym rat, loved football, just a baller, uh, thought he would need more time to develop and he just came in to USC and just took over. And so that you know, just kind of the, the the comparison between Ricky and Sam; those guys will always kind of be linked up together. But just a lot of a lot of the quarterbacks just didn't, just for various reasons, just didn't really develop hmm. as well. Um, I actually think Blake Barnett, his original choice, I thought he was going to go to Oregon at that time. Um, I they were running that like, you know, kind of the high speed, mm-hmm. you know, Veer type offense. I thought that was his his style. He went going to Alabama and transferred. Out of there, going to ASU, uh, Blake transferred to ASU. I think Blake actually had a good year last year, wherever he ended up. I remember seeing his he name. was at um, Central Florida. Was it? Was, was it South UCF? Florida or Central Florida? South no, Florida. South, South Florida. Florida. South Florida. But he actually had a pretty good year last he, it year. It was solid. It was solid. It was very solid. I think for, for I think for all players in general, and this is just making this isn't making excuses for guys not being as good as we thought. Man, school choice is just so big for you and. Scheme fit. I think if Blake would have chosen Oregon over Alabama, I think he would have really done well. Uh, I don't know if that was still Chip Kelly or if it was Mark Helfridge, but he fit that system so much better than he fit Alabama, which was more pro style, mm-hmm. more rigid, which wasn't his strength. His strength was being a, a guy who could move around and scramble and you know throw outside the pocket and run, and that was what he did best. So um, Travis just again. He was a guy with all, the, you know, just a lot of physical ability. He can run and throw and arm, and he, he was just 
I don't know. It just didn't, didn't work out for him. And then some of the other players on the list, obviously Biggie Marshall, um, you know, I think kind of his, his issue was at USC, you know, just a lack of, lack of quick twitch mm-hmm. for a corner. You know, mm-hmm. kind of had that big old safety body, but always played corner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we had Biggie and, and Tony, his dad, on the, on the podcast last year, you know, one of our better interviews that we've done sure. where, you know, they felt like, you know what, we're taking a risk. Biggie's a really physical, handsy type of DB. The Pac-12 calls it close. You know, is this going to be, you know, our best, our best move? But uh, I mean, end up being a four-year starter there, but just probably not going to be drafted until what do you think? Like third, fourth, fifth round? I, I think um, I think if he goes third round, he's ecstatic. I, I think, really do. I'm I, thinking I, probably more like fourth or fifth. Then yeah. So I looked at I looked at. Um, Player rankings, just player rankings yeah. coming out. They got him ranked in between the 40th and 45th ranked corner in the country coming out. Oh dang! Right. What does he do? Did that give like an overall? Excuse me. Say it again. Did, 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 that, did that? Did they give like an overall ranking as well? Like uh, not yes, position, not position specific. Um, they did. Um, but I don't remember the number. I just remember that that 40 number jumped out at me. Um, so you know, let me let, let me go here. When Iman Marshall came out, I liked Iman Marshall. I didn't like him as a corner. Um, I, I went on my Twitter at that time. I might probably been, was probably new to Twitter, and I said, <laughs> "Iman Marshall is not a corner. He needs to play safety." And I, I was met with a lot of um, Iman Marshall supporters. You, Keith, you don't know what you're talking about. What are you looking at? He's the number one corner in the country. Alabama wants him. LSU wants him. They want him for a reason. He's the top corner. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, for the same reason you just said, Greg, I never, I just never thought he was that that high level athlete on the yeah, island. Twitchy. He wasn't. Yeah. yeah, he he just he wasn't a guy that could get on that highway like that. And I think that can, that comes back to bite you because when you can't, you begin to panic, and when you panic, you begin to hold and grab. Um, I like him as a football player. Uh, sure. I do. Uh, I just sure. thought he yeah. would be better as a free safety. And yeah. I still think that. Uh, but I'm looking at his rating. They had him rated 99 out of 100. He was a, a number one corner. He was top five in America. And that just didn't happen. I don't want to pick on him. Let's talk about Khalil McKenzie. And I know he's not from Southern Section, but he's from kind of Northern California, Clayton Valley area, Concord. They had him ranked number one in America. Excuse me, number two in America at this position, number six nationally. But he got a rating of 100, Greg. So essentially that means he has no flaws. He is five stars in every area. Correct? Is, is that fair to say? Um, I, I wasn't. Is that like a twenty four seven rating? Yes. Yeah. So I wasn't there at that time. So I don't know. I don't think we still even go to a hundred. We, we might. I don't know. Okay. Um, but uh, no. Uh, keep speaking on Khalil, then I'll, I'll jump in when you're done. Yeah. So this guy was uh, can't miss as anybody who's ever played the high school game. 6'3", 340, strong as an ox, quick as a cat. Ended up, um, did well, he didn't play his senior year, went to the Army game, looked, you know, ridiculously overweight. I remember, I remember that specifically. Yeah. Then yeah. got to Tennessee, splashed a little bit in practice, was very limited in games didn't really make an impact I'm not sure where he is now but I say all that to say 
you know, rankings don't mean everything for sure. We all know that. But where are we just in terms of California in this year's draft? And why are we not represented high in the draft? So back to Khalil McKenzie, Greg, I know you wanted to make a point, but I want to talk about why we're not represented in the in the first round this year, projection wise. GB. Oh, oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you wanted to jump in and, and talk about that or if you wanted me to talk about Khalil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, Go with Khalil. Khalil. Was, so he was at De La Salle as a junior, which is just so dominant. Um, I've never seen him against Servite, and he was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And went to the opening, dominated there. MVP, checked off all the boxes, and then transferred as a senior, was ruled ineligible, so didn't play, gained a ton of weight, went to Tennessee. Um, like you said, kind of had some splash moments, but battled, battled injuries, which could have partly been due to the overweight issue. Mm-hmm. Ended up getting drafted as an offensive lineman, Keith. Never even played offensive lineman, but that's where he ended up getting drafted. But, I mean, it is, it is uh, like you said, it's not just about the ranking. It, it's just... It's just an inexact science because there's so many things that you can't measure. Even yeah. NFL, sure. how much, how many millions of dollars do the NFL guys get, and how many first round busts do you see? Like yeah. a ton every single year, right? So, right. but with Khalil, you always kind of look back and say, "What if? What if he stayed at Data Cell? What if he didn't gain forty pounds? Mm. What if he actually had a senior year of, of development, which is kind of big? Mm. Um, what if he didn't have injuries at Tennessee? You know, or you know, was it?" A guy who just never truly loved the game. And that is what caused his weight gain. Or maybe that's what caused his, you know, lack of whatever you want to call it. Maybe hunger, maybe desire, whatever it was to cause him to gain the weight and to battle the injuries. And, that, you know, so yeah. um, that was that's what I remember most about Khalil. Uh, he was a guy who, like, I, I thought he was going to be just really, really good. You know, D-tackles are hard to find. And he was, you know, he showed on the field as a junior that he was a dominant player even at the opening where they are padded up that's not football but it's still you know he was throwing guys around like right. like they were you know guys like linebackers yeah. like he was going up against little little toddlers it was it was crazy but uh, go ahead and go ahead and talk about you know the issues that you see with, with Southern California or Southern section football yeah so we talked a little bit off air and not sure if I can put it as eloquently as I did but Right now, we are underrepresented in the first round of the draft. And we talked, it's been a first time in a long time that nobody, not one kid from Southern California is represented in the draft for the first round projection. And it hurts my heart a little bit. And we're trying to figure out why, right? Why? Why are we not represented? Now, I have a little bit of a perspective because I play ball down south. I play ball with the guys from Florida, from Alabama, and I know their mentality. I understand their mentality. It's different from what our mentality is collectively um, from the West Coast. It feels like, to me, that maybe we're not as hungry. Maybe we've gone a little Hollywood and I think there are a couple things that really push push us in that direction. Uh, I think 707 being one of us, I think that's a, a big 
a misconception. I think it's a big. Um, I think it, it provides a lot of false confidence. And I think that out here on the West Coast, and in particular Southern California, we have a very difficult time dealing with success Uh, in a lot of sports, not just football, in a lot of sports. Guys, especially young kids who have early success, have a difficult time handling that success being from Southern California. Because of the glitz, because of the glamour, because of the Hollywood lifestyle, it can cause you um, to lose a little bit of that 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 edge, a little bit of that fight, a little bit of that chip on your shoulder. For, seriously, and um, right now, you talk about there's not one player projected in the first round. Are, are we overrated out here, Greg? Are we are we overrated? I mean, if we, we're looking at the two, 2015. We're looking at 2015 top recruits from California. We just went over the names. If you look back from to four years, were we overrated? That, that's a, I think that's a question that needs to be answered. You know, I, I definitely think some of these guys were, were overrated by by everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just so the, the NFL draft, at least at the top of the board, mm-hmm. it's looking ugly. Um, Very. The, the thing, you know, as you're talking, I'm kind of doing some research on my own and, and looking over the last three or four drafts, you know, what, what states had the most players drafted. Last year, California was third. And then in the year before, they were third. So um, last year was Florida, Texas, California. Two years ago was Georgia one, Florida two, California three. I haven't gone back. Uh, and they were third the year before that. So the last three drafts, California players still were third for having the most players drafted. Now, in the first round is where we're kind of seeing the hit. So you can say there's not as many impact guys, mm-hmm. but maybe they're still seeing 27, 28, 25 players drafted overall. Right. And that's for the whole state of California. So it's it's an interesting dynamic to kind of do the numbers. Eyeball test-wise, I think you could say the talent is a little bit down. USC or UCLA aren't going to have a player drafted in the first round, the second round, I don't know who. The third round, I don't know. I mean, who's UCLA's top guys? Probably Caleb Wilson. You know, Caleb Wilson. Yeah. Um, maybe Nate Metters goes in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Right. Marvell Tell, Biggie Marshall are the guys for USC. We talked about a little bit. Maybe Porter Augustine, uh, who was banged up a lot. Uh, he'll get drafted at some point, but. Um, you know, those that we mentioned those two schools only because they usually recruit the local players. So, so it just seems like at the top of the board, there's not that, that impact, but you're still seeing California as a whole. So, I'll, I'll be curious if, you know, would the numbers shake out after this year's draft? Mm-hmm. I would bet that California will not be top three. I got to think Florida and Texas will continue to be one and two. And I've said it before, dude, I think Georgia is a part of that big three or big four, if you want to call it that. I think Georgia could. You, you can see California slip into maybe fourth or, or even fifth yeah. this year in terms of total players drafted from that state. Yeah, and, and really my concern, holistically you're speaking, my concern is our high-end prospects. Our high-end prospects are not translating or they're not producing at the next level. 
if you if you just you know we went over the names if you go over the top 30 players from California from the 2015 class it's very disappointing and I'm, I'm talking strictly as you know an evaluator and um, a scout I'm not talking about as a person or did they get their degree and I know people are going to try to bring that up I'm talking about it's pure football here our high-end talent from 2015 totally flamed out there's no other way to put it let's, this is the transparent truth so let's just be real totally flamed out the the best players from that group arguably the best players from that group I, I think it's not arguable that it's Sam Darnold he's the best guy from that group but behind Sam Darnold you're talking about some very very average college football players very average um, I think Rasheem Green probably could take second um, and I think he was above average, but he doesn't want to play Notre Dame again uh, because that right guard, absolute, that left guard absolutely destroyed him. But there's no shame in that. That guy's pretty good, Nelson. Um, but after Rasheen Green, it's just, it's, it's down. It's down, Greg. The high end talent is down. And we got to figure out why, right? It, it can't just be, oh, because the scouts are just totally wrong. You can't just blame the scouts for everything. Okay. That's number one. Uh, we got to figure out why our high-end talent is not producing at the next level. It, it's 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 becoming a problem. It's becoming a problem. And I, you know, if 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 you bypass the quarterbacks from last draft, Greg, what did what did our high-end talent do then? You know, if I look at the, if I look at the 2016 deal or or. Did anybody come out early in that, you know, or, or, or the 2014 deal? Our high-end talent in the draft last year, if you just bypass the quarterbacks, is not very good. So this is California. We're supposed to be known for skill. We're definitely not known for linemen. So we're known for skill, but our skill talent is not developing and producing at the next level. Is that fair and accurate, Greg? Yes. And um, I think it is fair and accurate. I think I just actually muted you. Um, I'm looking at the 2016 class, Keith, and guess what? It gets even worse. That's, that's where I was going. The number one player that year out of California was Wale Bediku. Right. Sarah High School. Yeah. Transfer from USC to Illinois. Um, a kid who was raw as raw can be only two years of high school football but seemed to check off a lot of boxes you just kind of felt like man this guy goes somewhere and gets developed right never did never did how about a guy behind him hmm oh there's a Michael Pittman yeah. was ne- I thought those guys so Michael Pittman is at USC still I'm still holding out for hope for Michael I think he'll have a big year at USC this year, right? Has it hasn't I been thought, a stand? He, he's flashed, but hasn't been a standout yet. Not yet. You got, you got um, Jack Jones was, at number four. Ooh, that one hurts. That one does hurt because he was Jack Jones was dismissed from school, freshman starter. Right, struggled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which is typical. Um, and Curtis then, Robinson is that still at Stanford? Right. Hasn't really done anything. Linebacker at Modern Day. Right. 
Mike Juarez. Just transfer, correct? Uh, I mean... Or quit? I don't, I don't know what his true story was, but again, a guy who physically... You know, I think, the, I think the interesting thing, Keith, is a lot of these guys, they all, they all have the physical tools. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. But there's there's one thing missing. You look at Mickey Juarez, Jack Jones. Um, going down the list, Malik, Malik Henry. Henry. I'm not going to claim Malik Henry. I guess I kind of have to. You have to. Um, honestly, I think these are all guys that just didn't really love football. Mm. Jack Jones didn't love football. I don't know about Jackie. I, I've known him so long, and he was just always a wild card. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he didn't love football. Okay. Because he definitely played extremely hard. Right. Agreed. Um, but I do think there were some character flaws with Jack. Right. That were pronounced. Okay. And, and covered up. Okay. So. And those came out. Those okay. Those came out often, but they were, I think those were always evident. To those people that were kind of close to him mm-hmm. and I think those those were tough to deal with at that next level okay so if, if you call just it look, immaturity call yeah. it whatever you want okay I mean let's just this is transparent truth okay so let's just be real there were some character flaws but if you look at this group of players Jack Jones BK Warriors Malik Henry there are character flaws of an abundant of a, of a tremendous proportion right Mike Warriors, I remember I I warned a coach. I coached against Mike Warriors his senior year. I warned a coach and said, Coach, don't take this kid. He is uh, out of control. He's he's he has some he has a problem. He I, and I told this coach this. Uh he has a problem, coach. Don't take him. Well, they took him. And uh and this is no shot at the kid. He just he had a problem and he needed help and never got the help. Yeah, and we see that all the time in society. Malik Henry, another kid, some character issues, definitely some problems there. Um, but there are a couple kids who who didn't have the character issues, right? Michael Pittman Jr. No character issues. He's doing okay at SC. Uh, Tyler Vons, he didn't really have a ton of character issues. I know they, you know, he's kind of like a, a diva receiver a little bit, right? Uh, but no real character issues. So I, if you just look at those players, Greg, in that top 10, that seems to be the overwhelming theme are the character flaws. Is, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, say, I would say so. Um, I do found, I, I, I do see my guy David Long out of Michigan. Yes. Who, talk about being as, as high character as you can possibly be. I'm hopeful he'll be drafted this year. Potentially second, third round, which would be great. Yes, for David. Yes, but sometimes Keith, you just you just don't know. I'm looking. I'm looking at 2017 now, and guess who the number one player in the composite was? Who? A guy we had on our show. Who? A guy who you would have never felt would have any type of issues at all, ever. Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips. Right. This guy was the poster child for just being the perfect, flawless, off the field, high end academic guy, high character guy. He under mm. he got it, worked hard. He was probably the the best UCLA recruit they had in twenty five years. 
It was Stanford's number one target. Stanford, they spend a lot of time on guys with, uh, you know, making sure the guy checks off the character box, the academic box, all that. He didn't last a year. Year and a half. But th- there was one thing that always scared me about Jalen Phillips, Greg. There was, and, and, and I observed it during our interview a few years ago with him. He didn't really love the game of football. He played it because he was big and fast and good at it. He didn't really love it. I mean, is, that, is this hindsight? Because I, I recall you you saying this guy was going to be three and out, fresh yeah. American, yeah. 15, sacked yes. sophomore, yeah, NFL is, guy is, is that, Yeah, yeah. Because of the profile, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But in that interview, distinctly in that interview, I realized he doesn't really love the game. He doesn't really love it. He likes it. But he doesn't really love it. To be that guy on that level, you have to love it. So between character flaws and not loving the game, it's like a it's like a it's like a black hole, right? And if if you fit that profile, like, hey man, I don't really love the game, or hey man, I got a lot of character flaws, that black hole is gonna eat you up more times than not. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, man. I I go back and listen to that interview. That, go back and listen to that interview. No, I I have, I have. Yeah. Um, and in in hindsight, it looked like he he liked other he had other interests mm-hmm. that were on the same level as football. That's easy to see in hindsight. Mm-hmm. What about Najee Harris is a guy who's number two out of California on that board. Mm-hmm. Goes to a great school like Alabama. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like. I feel like Najee hasn't lived up to it for me. Like I watched no. him last year in the in the in the playoff, he wasn't running. He didn't look good. When I say good, I don't mean like he didn't. I don't. I don't mean effective. I mean he didn't look right. Mm-hmm. He was running like with a gimpy little. His gait was really weird. He didn't yeah. look off. Yes. To me. I don't. I don't know what it was, but he doesn't look like the same powerful force. The first guy was taking him down every single time. The guy's two hundred thirty pounds, and he was getting taken down. On, on ankle tackles and this guy I thought was extremely special like generational one of the better backs we've ever had out of California I thought he'd go to Alabama and be three mm. and done he still might be you know and I, I think he's shown flashes for sure he's shown for sure. flashes for sure. but I want to see him raise his game like not just a notch like 50 notches this year right I had such I had such high hopes for him right so he's 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 he has battled some injury, and I think that's a part of the equation too, Greg. If oh, 100 percent. Yeah, if you look at the guys we've talked about, is battling injury, not loving the game, and character flaws. That's like the circle of that's like the triangle of death in terms of elite recruits. Yeah. Um, falling victim. Ooh, and also key to piggyback. I think the injuries. I think the one thing we you and I have always talked about is confidence, and I think the injury. And the confidence go hand sure. in hand. For sure. When you get hurt, you can't play as For well. Sure. You're not as good. All of a sudden now you're mortal and you're starting seeing guys that you used to be able to just own yep. are now taking you down. I feel like you can't play without confidence and you can't play with confidence if you're, you know, 75% healthy. Unless you're like, you know, super, super just Deion Sanders, Ray Lewis good. That's, that's what happened to me. I can, I can humbly admit that's what happened to me kind of as my football career wound down. Injuries start taking a toll. I wasn't as confident just because of the injuries and it began to affect my play, for sure. So, again, that triangle of death, injuries, and, and it's 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 good we're having this conversation because other people can hear it. Injuries, 
uh, the, the love for the game and character flaw is that triangle of death that are taking down um, the elite recruits, especially where we're from, where we're from. So uh, if you look at that 2017 class, it wasn't high end like Southern California guys. Um, there weren't a ton of guys high on that list. But like you said, look at Stephen Carr. Yeah. I love Stephen Carr. He's yeah. he's a, as talented as anybody. I love yeah. Stephen Carr. But injuries. Yep. Confidence. Offensive line. Offensive line. Right? I mean, offensive. let's be honest. Dude, I watched Matt Leinart and Trent Edwards play in high school. There wasn't they weren't even close to each other. Trent Edwards was on a different level by right. far. Wasn't even close. Matt goes to USC, doesn't get touched for three years. Trent goes to Stanford, which wasn't Stanford up today, and got about 35 concussions. So I think you got to also look at, you know, the offense, the scheme fit, and just the guys around you, right? If Stephen Carr's at Alabama, guess what? He's a 1,200-yard rusher. Yeah, but he's got a neck injury. <laughs> so maybe that's he's... because, yeah. I, I mean, this, this 2017, that's going to be next year's guy. Yeah. Colby Parkinson has a chance, I think, to be a high-around pick. Darnay mm-hmm. Holmes is in this 2017 class, so... Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for a rebound next year, Keith. That's what I'm I'm hoping for. Last thing I want to touch on is yeah. these powerhouse schools we have out here. And I, and I know a lot of people clamor to go to modern day. They clamor to go to Bosco. And I don't want to sound like I'm taking shots at them. But you look at a guy like Wyatt Davis. Can't miss. Everybody's All-American. Struggled to get on the field his first two years at, at Ohio State. I remember he, um, they brought him in as like a fourth tight end during the middle of the season. I think he started in the Rose Bowl or or, or, or subbed in or, or something. Something I remember hearing about. He's having a difficult time at Ohio State, right? He's 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 not he has not developed into yet what we all thought he would. Is it? Is it me, Greg, or do the guys who come from these powerhouse programs do they get a little bit, a little bit of extra bump? Just in terms of, um, I don't want to say their ranking, but um, their projection. Are they, it feels like they get a little extra bump. I'm not saying that they do, but it, it feels like it. Yeah, because I, a lot I, don't, of, I don't know. I don't know, honestly. Uh-huh. Um, cause I'm looking at the, at our, you know, all the players that we just named. Yeah. In our rankings, and we didn't mention a modern day or a Bosco kid, have we? So, right. I think I think being at those schools, I think it could help you. Honestly, I think you know, I think Jaden Woodby went in and was able to start as a true freshman at Florida State. Now Florida State's down, but I think right. the, the feeling was, man, he played at a, a high profile high school that helped him. I mean, Stephen Blaylock starting this year. Uh, in fact, the two starting safeties for UCLA are Quentin Lake, modern day, and Stephen Blaylock for. For Bosco, modern day and Bosco, mm-hmm. um, I think White Davis. I I talked to people at how State. Slow start, sluggish start, overweight. They really like him now. He's supposed to have a breakout okay year. So I, I think I think uh, I think one of the reasons why you you see players maybe get a bump is because of of offers. Right, I think a lot of times you see rankings. I try to do it. But I think a lot of times you see people will overrate guys based on their offers. Yes, and you know at least Boston does a phenomenal job getting kids offered. That Terry Bullock is the best at that. Modern day, 
um, kids go there, they get a lot of scholarship offers. And when, when some people who do rankings see that, oh, he has 10 offers, he must be good. I'm going to rank him higher. Uh, you'll see Narbonne will get bumps now because they're getting so many players offered up. So um, I think it's had more to do with, with what high school. I don't think it's, it matters what high school. It matters how many it's more of an offer bump than a high school bump, if that makes any sense. Okay, no, definitely makes sense. So my, my second question is, um, does it, the fact that you go to this high-profile school and you practice against these other high-profile players every day, does it equate to you being a big-time productive college player? Now, if you look at, you know, who you you saw this team live, I guess it was the 2015 Bosco team. I never saw them live. But you had, you did. Um, we talked to Chad last year. He loved that yeah. team. They were loaded. Off of that team, though, Greg, not a lot of production um, at the next level and beyond. Can you can you speak to any of that? Yeah, I, I think it goes. I think you know we can't really talk about that without talking about some of the historical De La Salle teams, mm-hmm. who were some of the greatest high school teams of all time, mm-hmm. who didn't have a ton of players recruited. You know. You can pick and choose a few. You know, your DJ Williamses, your Derek Landrys, um, Kevin Simons, who all were big-time college guys. But they, uh, there's a difference between being a really good high school player and a college project. There's a difference between being a, a high school team filled, filled with, with really good players mm-hmm. and, and a team that's filled with college prospects. Um, that Bosco team uh, probably you know, would have beaten the crap out of some of the, the Sarah teams that had a ton of guys who went on to get drafted. Um, you know, I think probably the top guys in that Bosco team, you had Josh Rose, and probably the next best player was probably Jaloa Dude, who was just undersized, right? He went to UCLA and started for two, three years. But, you know, Shea Fields, productive at Colorado, but probably just, you know, not an NFL guy. Uh, Nigel Hell, good high school player. Had some issues when he got to college. Um, Chandler Lanou was their inside linebacker who had like 200 tackles every year, but just undersized, not hyper-athletic to really excel at the college level. He bounced around a little bit when he got into some off-the-field issues. Um, trying to think who else they had on that team. Uh, Sean McGrew, another just a great high school running back. Great high school running back, but just probably size-wise, just hasn't projected to the next level at Washington right now. Um, his career is not over yet, but just a guy who was probably 5'7", but he could, you know, run like crazy against high school guys because he was 4'3", four, 4'4", four, four guys. So on that Bosco team, I think you saw a lot of really good high school players who maybe in hindsight, none of those guys are rated that high, Keith. Josh was, was rated high, but, but Jalil, Nigel, Chandler, Sheffield. None of those guys were, were, were top 100 kids, top mm-hmm. 200 kids even. Mm-hmm. I think Jalil is probably the only guy that's like the top 300. Right. So I don't think we're, we pretended, pretended to say, you know, they were Elite. the best. Yeah, yeah. NFL, yeah. They right. weren't the best NFL group. You can probably go back to some of the, you know, Long Beach Poly teams. Right. But as a pure high school team, they were definitely – you know, one of the best. So, I'll be curious to see in, in three years from now having this conversation about the modern day team from two years ago that had, you know, Almond Ross St. Brown and, and Brew McCoy and JT and um, got what Elias Ricks and Darion Green Warren were sophomores on that team. Uh, Tommy Brown, Miles Morale, Chris Murray. You know, see if those guys, you know, how, how their NFL prospects are. We could, that'll probably say, hey, look, dude, that team wasn't just good high school. 
they had like five guys drafted from that team. Yeah, no, uh, I, li- I like this. I, li- I like analyzing kind of the data. I like extracting. I-, I feel like we extracted something really good just in terms of um, elite, high-level prospects and kind of what that black hole, how to stay away from that black hole or what that black hole looks like, right? Just in terms of, you know, the na- the injuries, um, the character, and um, the love of the game. So, hopefully people out there are listening and, and hopefully that's something people can learn from. So GB, thanks a lot. I know this is a little bit of a long show, but um, I felt like we got some, some good information out there and it was some good dialogue. So thank you so much. A great show, man. This is fun. And, and it's funny. I'm kind of getting more into the analytical side, but yeah. I think analytical side, I think the one issue that we said that hopefully kids are listening to and parents are listening to is, is how important character is, how important like leadership and being a great teammate is. That's, that, I mean, you can have all your seven-on-seven trophies and, and even, you know, do great at the high school level, but, man, character matters, and it, it's revealed when you get to college and everybody else is as good as you are, who folds and who kind of can overcome. And I think, so if you're a high school player and you're kind of listening, then that's where your, your go-to should be, man. It's academics, it's, it's being a great teammate, being a great leader in the classroom, sit in the front row, take notes, don't be an idiot and talk back to the teacher to be funny. Like, all that stuff matters, right? I mean, if you're a college, that's what you want to be looking for. You want to look for the, the total package, the profile, because that's what that's what matters more than anything. Forget football for a second. That's, that's like life stuff right there. It's, 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 the, it's the exact opposite of the 7-on-7 culture. That's what I'm thinking in my head. As you, 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 expl- you expressed that very well, so thank you. Um, it's the exact opposite of our 7-on-7 culture out here on the West Coast. I don't know what the culture is on the East Coast, the Midwest. I know what it is on the West Coast. It's poor. The culture is poor. It's not anything of what you just mentioned. And that needs to change. That needs to change. Because we understand. We just broke it down. We understand. We analyze what are the pitfalls at the next level. And they scream 7-on-7 culture. They scream it. That's all I can do for you today. That's all I can do for you guys today. That's all we can do. So it's, it's the transparent truth. It's Coach Keith. It's GB. Um, we're breaking it down for you. We're putting it on a platter. I can lead you to the water. I cannot make you drink it. We cannot make you drink it. We've led you there. We can't make you drink it. Get your stuff together. Get your things fixed. Get your character right. Stay healthy. Get your sleep. Do your stretching. Make sure you're eating right. And and fall in love with the process. Fall in love with the game, man. If you're not doing those things, then what are you doing? I don't care how many ladder drills you do. I don't care how many times you catch touchdowns in, in any game. Pads, 7 on seven, It doesn't matter. Because eventually... The game of football is much too, um, it asks too much of you for you not to love the game. Number one. Number two, it's it's too physical of a sport. Um, You'll get injured if you don't take care of yourself. And then number three, (laughs) Coach Gerald Alexander made a great post yesterday on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, Greg. He says, listen, man, don't show me your representative. Don't have your pants pulled up. Don't have your hood off. If that's not who you are on a daily basis, show me who you really are, because eventually I'm going to find out. And he's 100 percent right, Greg, your character matters more than we probably give it credit for, Greg, kind of based on the show we just recorded. It matters more than we probably give credit for. And I think you just mentioned it. It, it in terms of life, in terms of football. 
that that character is going to reveal itself in a bunch of different forms through your football career. And if if it's not there and if it's not um, up to par, it's going to show and you will you will eventually fold. You'll flinch and then you'll fold. So, hey, Keith. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick, I'm so glad you brought up Gerald, Gerald Alexander because you know who we forgot to mention or I forgot to mention is, uh, is a new commit was Isaiah Young. Hey. And I don't know if you got to see Did you see his, his little video he posted? I did get to see it, and I was happy for him. little transparent truth shout-out in there. Had, yeah. had us talking about him in his commitment video. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. That was. But, uh, yeah, Matt Logan is a uh, is phenomenal coach and developer of, of high-character, high-quality kids. Obviously, Cal does a phenomenal job bringing, bringing in some quality DBs. Ale- coach Alexander's done a phenomenal job with, with guys who I thought were good in high school. But, man, he's really making some guys, you know, Trayvon Beck, talk about St. John Bosco. Man, mm-hmm. he's—I th- I think his statistics last year as the slot corner were some of the best in the country. So they were. I get—I don't know how high he gets drafted because he's only five nine. But Trey Beck is doing great. Um, Jeremiah Hawkins, Jeremiah Hawkins, mm-hmm. um, Cam Bynum. Yep. Also from Centennial. Mm-hmm. Um, guy, who's our guy? Oh, God, La Mirada, DD. Stud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about. Um... He was a top 100 kid for us, I yes, believe. Yes, I know you're talking about the corner. You're talking about the corner. The corner. Yeah, I'm forgetting his name right now. But, yeah, doing, GA doing a great job up there in Cal. And as you can tell, character is a big part of what he embodies in terms of development for his players. Um, So th- that's all I got for him, GB. <laughs> that's all I got, man. I can't give you, I can't give you no more, man. I can't. I've given you the answers to the test. We've given you the answers to the test. All you've got to do is take the test and apply what we've given you. Or Elijah Hicks, baby. Elijah Hicks. I knew Elijah he was to me. Elijah Hicks. Hicks is balling. He's a baller. He was a baller He's in high school. No question. All those guys, man. All those guys are doing well. So. They are. They are. So shout out Isaiah Young, man. Like you said, Cal Isaiah commit. Isaiah Young. Um, great kid, great yep. family, man. I've loved this game for quite a while. Um, and, hey, he had the transparent truth on his deal. We appreciate you, man. And, and we enjoy talking about the players. Let's be honest. We enjoy talking about our young kids who are out there doing great things on and off the field, being great young men of character and making plays and performing on the big stage. We enjoy talking about that. Um but, you know, hey, Greg, we've given them the answer to the test, man. That's all I got. I got to get out of here. It's the Transparent Truth, man. Coach Keith, GB, uh, check us out on Friday. We got a show for you. Not sure who's going to be the guest. Not sure if it's going to be a rerun or not. But just check it out. Okay, I'm, That's what Coach Keith, that's the, that's the directive for the day. We appreciate you guys for joining us. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com sportsfan and make your first bet a layup. 
FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.